ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to These Go to 11. Once again, I'm Nathan Bell, Steve Hartland joining me for the final full time. Uh, look forward to uh, Steve when we have you back on and uh, I can introduce you as uh, one of the co-hosts that jumps back on uh, in a part-time manner. But um, for right now, this will be the uh, last one. How are you doing tonight, Steve? I'm doing great, but I am looking forward to uh, the first time that I get invited back. And, and if, you, if you take too long before that happens, I'm going to come and crash the party. I want you to know that. I'm going to show up at your house with my headset. <laughs> that would be fantastic. You would be more than welcome. Right. Um, but no, our uh, you know the plan is uh, always as it um, is – with Greg, um, anytime uh, you or Greg ever feels like, you know what, I'd like to do this again or I'd like to join up and guest in this, you are always welcome. And so look forward to that. Um, Thanks so much, man. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, looking forward to uh, tonight's main topic. I uh, want to talk a little bit, um, Steve, uh, uh, you know, I'm just, just give a quick shout out to Mission Aware. Um, they're always uh, great friends of ours, great sponsors, love um, love what those guys are doing over there at Mission Aware. So don't forget to check out um, all the great Moleskin journals, uh, Yeti tumbler mugs, beer mugs, um, all that great stuff uh, on these go to 11 collabs page over there. So check out Mission Aware for all all your reform needs. Um, yes, sir. Steve, want to talk to you about um, just your time on the podcast. Um, it's been, um, I guess we're coming up on what, six months that you were, that you were chilling and doing this full time. It was about July when you came on. Um, you, you know what? I have no idea. I am a guy who does not have a calendar in his head. <laughs> if, I, if I don't note it down on a real calendar, I have no clue. So uh, sounds good. But I imagine since I first started getting the podcast with you and Greg initially, it's it must have been a couple of years now, isn't it? Yeah, we are. Um, we are on our third year of doing this. We just celebrated three years back in um, in the beginning of February. February second uh, was three years. Um, so yeah, and you were you were with us pretty much right from the beginning. I think you were the second or third. Uh, person that we had on the podcast right there in the month of February. So you have been wow. with us. That's um, an honor. Yeah, for some time. It's It's been great having you. Love getting your insight. I know the fans um, enjoy listening to you and uh, hearing all the wisdom that you have and that you uh, bring to this podcast because they sure weren't getting it from Greg and I. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's the way it was working, but all right. <laughs> but, um, no, just, uh, you know, want to talk to you a little bit about, um, your time doing this, uh, full time, um, the transition and, um, you know, from going to part time into full time and, you know, talk to me about some of your favorite moments. Talk to me about some of your least favorite moments. I'm sure, I'm sure people would be interested in that. And, um, those are things that I'll know to avoid for, uh, for the next <laughs> person that I have on. Well, you know, there really weren't, and I, I'm being 100% real here, there were no least favorite moments. There were times that I thought were going to be least favorite moments. That is to say, uh, as I've noted before, for our hearers, you are the great topic picker. I am not. Uh, so there's another thing. I don't have a calendar in my head, and I can't pick topics. But you're, <laughs> you're, good, you're good at picking topics. But you, of course, pick topics that you're really interested in, and not all of them would strike me. Like sometimes I'd think, all right, uh, what are we going to talk about with that? You, but you know what? 
every single one of them turned into a lot of fun and it was, they were engaging and they were interesting. And whenever I finished one, I was always like, man, that was good. Yeah. <laughs> I enjoyed that. So there were really no low moments. Every, honestly, every single podcast was always a real pleasure from back in the Greg days down into the just you and me days and, mm-hmm. and other people that we'd have on as guests and so on. Um, I looked forward to every one of them, uh, especially when I loved the topic and knew what was coming, but um, looked forward to every one of them and kind of uh, salivated for the opportunity. Uh, I guess a lot of our heroes have never gotten to be on a podcast, and um, probably the greatest thing for me is the fellowship that I have enjoyed with you, Nathan, and mm. prior to that with Greg, with yes. you guys, getting to be with you, uh, getting to uh, interact over all kinds of issues, getting to share our thoughts together, debate a little bit sometimes. Yeah, that's been fantastic. I'm I'm really, I'm really going to miss a lot. Mm. about this podcast pretty i'm gonna miss everything but having to do it every week yes yes <laughs> <laughs> yes yes and it, and it really it is you know there was um i mean you know full disclosure here there was one point where um greg and i were you know greg was you know had come to me and he was like i mean you know and, and it's funny some of the stuff that goes on behind the scenes but um you know greg had just come to me several times and was like I, you know, I just, I don't know how the schedule is going to work and I don't know how we're going to do this. And then finally he did come to me and was like, you know, I just, uh, the schedule, something's got to give. And unfortunately it's got to be the podcast right now, you know, totally understand that because, um, you know, I, and, and, you know, I'm not saying this to puff myself up or anything, but like, you know, I do the editing and the uploading and, and all of that stuff. And that's time consuming, but even just sitting down to find the 45 minutes or an hour to do the podcast, uh, is, is kind of like a breakup in the schedule and it, and it can be very difficult to, to do. And so I appreciate the time that Greg took. I appreciate the time that you took, um, to come out and, um, you know, the times where you did come out to the house and even the times like today where, um, we got you to dial in and talk about whatever for that 45 minutes or an hour. Um, you know, it really, it is a commitment to be able to say, Hey, I want to, um, I want to do this and I want to do this on a regular basis. And, uh, it, it can be difficult sometimes. Yeah, but um, I, I honestly wonder, like two months from now, am I going to be thinking, man, why did I do that? Mm. <laughs> why, why did, it's too late now. Mr. Bartles got in there. Man, <laughs> why, did I, why did I do that? Because I think I'm honest. I'm really going to miss it. And I wouldn't be surprised if you know maybe a year from now, yeah, I ask you, so uh, is, is Mr. Bartles still firm? Or, yeah. Uh, What's going on? Yeah. And well, if you guys are if you guys are hanging tight, then I might want to talk with somebody else that I know. Hey, you, you know, you want to start a podcast? Because I will miss this. Part yeah. of it's temperamental, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I am in. Are you interested in the Myers Briggs personality types? You know, the sixteen quadrants, and you're one of the sixteen. Uh, and, yeah, I haven't. I haven't. I mean, I think I used to do some of that stuff when I was younger, like you know, personality profiling and things like that. It's been years since I've yeah, done anything st- like that. Same here. I kind of did it like mad when I was younger on a quest to figure out who am I. Right. Um, and then I got that pretty well figured out, I guess. Right. But, but recently, because one just got presented to me, uh, I, I took the Myers-Briggs again. And I, yeah, I'm the same thing. I'm an ENFP for what that's worth to our hearers. But uh, a characteristic of ENFPs is that uh, 
it, it makes me enjoy the fellowship with you or the fellowship with Greg or the fellowship with the, the guest that's on with us more than I do even the information that we're sharing. Now, I love the information we're sharing. I love talking about stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, it's, it's the people connections that have been so wonderful for me. Yes. Oh, and I, and I completely agree. You know, it's funny because Joy and I will talk um, sometimes and she'll occasionally she'll try to, you know, figure out, am I an introvert or am I an extrovert? Um, from, about herself? No, about me. About you. Um, oh. And, uh, you know, I, it's funny because I really, I, I don't think I have a specific classification. I mean, there are times where like being in a large group of people, I love it. I love the craziness. I love the chaos. I love the interaction in that setting. But to me, the, there's nothing that, um, there's nothing intellectually stimulating about something like that. Mm-hmm. To me, the one-on-one where I can sit down and I can be with someone and talk with them and engage with them, I, I love that learning and growing in that environment, in that setting. Um, and and that's what this podcast uh, is for me. You know, Every single week, I have an opportunity to sit down with one or two people and engage them um, on an intellectual level, on a spiritual level um, that I don't typically get, particularly being a teacher in a classroom of 15 plus students, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, there, there's very rarely are there a lot of really intellectual moments going on. And for anyone who's ever been in a <laughs> middle school classroom, you will understand <laughs> what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> But but this is that opportunity for me to, you know, sit down and, hey, let's suss this out. You know, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Now, you know, we, we've run into the uh, problem, I guess, where, you know, we really don't have a lot of de- divisive opinions on things. Um, but it's still – it's fascinating because there's a lot of things that are said that help me shore up my thoughts on uh. on the topic. But on that, on the the fact that you were just mentioning that we've always seemed to agree so much on most everything, um, that's if I could go back and change any one thing, it would be we'd have more fights. Mm, mm. It would have been fun. It'd be good. For, it'd be just good for the podcast because yes. create interest and and um, some drama. But uh, I think it would have been good for us too, you know, to, to spar together. And, yes. Uh, go at it on an issue and see who comes out ahead. We get both sure. learning that. But that didn't happen too much. We always pretty much like, oh, you believe that too? Oh, so do I. Okay. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. And I think a lot of that comes down, and I think we've said this before, that for us, it's that a lot of these issues that we're talking about are really so secondary to the gospel that it's just kind of like, I, you know, I, I feel like there's almost um, an apathy towards some of these things in comparison to the gospel that when you measure these things against the gospel when you when you view them in light of the gospel it's like man there's you know this this is great you know when when talking about things like our freedoms in Christ you know it's like man yeah i i have things that you know really you know rock my world and mess me up you have things that rock your world and mess you up but those things are different and so you know when it comes to like Things like creeds, it's like, you know, the idea, yeah, they're, they're good, they're helpful, but they're not the gospel. Um, yeah. And they're good and they're helpful to the point where, you know, if you're reading through some of these things and, you know, some of these things, as we've said and mentioned before 
on the podcast, you know, some of these topics that we look at within the creeds, um, you know what, the Bible actually doesn't really say anything about this. You know, the regulative principle Mm -hmm. of worship, you know, it's like, uh, yeah, I I don't see that in the Bible, you know? Um, and, and I feel like, you know, we've had enough online fights with people that do that, um, you know, to me, this is almost a breath of fresh air where it's like, yeah, you know, just let's embrace the freedom we have in Christ and let all these other things fall to the wayside. Um, because it's not like we haven't disagreed. It's just that there's there's been nothing that's been passionate enough to get us going. Yes. It's been a real breath of fresh air for me, too, I must say. Uh, coming from a background of being in a Reformed Baptist bunch of churches, uh, an association of, a lot of friends of, an informal association, that is. Um, and there were, honestly, you know, a lot of great guys there, guys who love Jesus, guys who are, have a high view of Scripture, and you know, many, many commendable things about them. But in, in too many cases, in my opinion, uh, their list of essential doctrines was way too long. In fact, pretty much everything was on that list. <laughs> so you know, we will fight for everything. We will fight over anything. We won't unify with anybody who doesn't agree with us on everything. And uh, man, it was oppressive. And it, and it kind of whittled the body of Christ down to a number so small, you wonder why Christ even bothered to die for it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah, um, but, but yeah, it's been refreshing to be with with you, and same thing with Greg, where we agree uh, the gospel and you know just a short list of core doctrines are the essentials of the faith, and the rest we don't have to sweat it. Mm, yeah, yeah, and I think that was one thing that we even uh, that was an experience for Greg and I when we would do our hot topics, um, you know, mm-hmm. where. Uh, you know, pedo baptism and things like that, um, versus believers baptism. And we would have guests on and we would talk with our guests, but it was like, it, it wasn't detrimental. You know, we wanted people to see that this person has their view of this topic and we have our view of a topic and their view is not necessarily going to sway our view, but also look at their view. It's legitimate. They have they have reasons for what they believe and why they believe it. And it's okay that I don't agree with them because I can still call them a brother in Christ and we can still talk about other, um, you know, core doctrines like the gospel and, and these subjects in light of the gospel. So even when we had, you know, people who disagreed with us, I feel like um, there, there were no drag out fights. And I think, I think that's good. You know, we were able to have, uh, my friend JR, who's an agnostic on, we were able to have Faras on, who was, uh, who's a Muslim. And, you know, being able to talk with people of different ideas and faiths and backgrounds, saying that, you know what, I respect you as a person, even if I disagree with you. I think, particularly in today's culture, the world needs a lot more of that. How do we engage with people we disagree with in a Christ-like manner? Yeah, amen to that, man. That's pretty nice. And... Uh, there's so much of the opposite that uh, we have a lot to undo when we're around people. They expect us to be cantankerous and obnoxious and ready to fight over things that don't matter and uh, looking down on them and so on. It's it's fun to surprise people who are not Christians with a different posture. Yes, yes. And it's to me it's refreshing too because I feel like many Christians, whether Reformed or not, tend to fall under the category of, 
you know, you always need to verbally preach the gospel to everyone at all times, at all places. And I've come to be like, well, what about the conversation that I have with the person about, you know, sports? Isn't that okay to, you know, just have a conversation about sports and not have to somehow work Tim Tebow and Jesus Christ into the conversation? Um <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, but I, I remember, uh, you know, this, this is my favorite story and I've told it a lot on the podcast, but the reason it's my favorite is because it was for two years, I did not really say anything about the gospel. I told my coworkers, I told my boss, I was a Christian when they would ask me about certain things, I would have a very neutral kind of posture on a lot of topics politically. Um, and so, it, you know, I try to do that so that people can't really pin me down on something and nail me down and say, oh, this is where you fall. I like being more of an enigma to people because after two years of that, my boss came to me and asked me what I thought about, you know, just flat out, what do you think about, you know, the state passing homosexuality in Maryland? And we were able to have a 30 to 45 minute conversation and I was able to just lay out the gospel for him talking about, you know what, because he kind of brought it around, which a lot of people do to, well, isn't it, wouldn't it be good if, you know, kids were able to be adopted by homosexuals and go into this loving couple, this loving household, as opposed to a family, you know, a heterosexual couple that beats them and, you know, treats them horribly. And I was able to just say, you know what? I think I think that type of love would be good. I said, here's the problem is that we mistake human love for God's love and what we think is best versus what God says is best. And I was able to say, you know, as a husband, I'm supposed to love my wife 100% fully and I can't do that. The only person who's ever loved 100% fully and completely is Jesus Christ. And so I rely on him and his righteousness, his death on the cross took over my sin where I was inadequate in loving this person. Christ was fully adequate in loving and just lay it out for him. And it's like, never again did anything ever come from that. But to me, like that was me preaching the gospel. I, I did what God wanted me to do in the moment he wanted me to do it. And I worked for the company for a total of three years and I, that is just one of my favorite stories because it wasn't forced. It wasn't pushed. And he talked about other Christians who had worked for him and talked about how much they annoyed him and how much he couldn't stand them. But he was willing to come to me in a moment and talk to me very seriously and honestly about something. And I was able to, in a very natural way, share the gospel with him. Mm. It is nice being a different brand of Christian, isn't it? You know, at the gym, I have a lot, a lot, a lot of gym buddies. I really respect them, appreciate them, enjoy them. And when I run into them at the grocery store or something, we always stand and talk for a while. They introduce me to their wife and their kids, and we mm-hmm. talk. Um, so, you know, we do have a, a level of friendship anyway. Um, but it's okay if I go to the gym and I'm not leaving tracks on the bench press when I'm done with the bench. Yeah. And uh, I have a conversation with a guy. Hey, man, you know, your shoulders are looking good. What are you doing for your, what's the best thing you're doing for your shoulders? And he tells me, and I don't feel like I have to work the gospel and his need to be saved into it. But uh, a lot of them, you know, little by little, this one or that one finds out that I'm a pastor and they are astounded when they, because I don't fit the role at all. I really like that. I like that a lot. 
And it's not like they said, yeah, I was guessing you were a pastor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I could tell. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's just, to me, that's exciting because there is a surprise. Like, man, and it's sad. It's very telling because it shows that, that I think many Christians are not acting like Christians. Um, but it's also exciting because it means that they see and acknowledge something different in me that they can relate to and they can say, hey, I, I, I've got some questions for you. You're someone I think I can talk to about this. Yeah. You know what? I, I wonder – well, tell, tell me first. Remind me, Nathan, were you raised in a Christian home or did you come to the gospel somewhere later in life? No, I was, um, I was raised in a Christian home. All right. So uh, you can tell me if this is true for you. Sure. But you know, uh, a lot of the folks in my church, church that I'm a pastor in, um, were raised in Christian homes and raised around Christianity. And then a fair number of them were not. Um, I was not. You know, I knew nothing about the gospel until I was 17. I didn't know any believers, never went to church, didn't know the Bible, didn't know anything, blah, blah, blah. So uh, I think that helps me. It is really, really easy for me to relate to people who are not Christians. Whereas by comparison, I think I notice a lot of the folks in my church who are raised in the faith mm. and all their friends have always been Christians and all their events have always been Christian and all their school has always been Christian and everything they've done has ever been Christian. They seem to have a hard time mm. like enjoying the company of folks who are not near Christ. Do you find, do you notice that in others and do you find it in yourself at all? Uh, two is more so than I do now. Um, and part of it is, um, uh, as, as a teacher, um, the thing that I notice with my students is, and, and actually, you know, we're going to springboard into a topic that I think will be good and kind of relate to this. One of the things that I notice with my students is they're very impressionable. Um, and so in talking with my students, you know, I am very careful to talk about the company that they keep. Um, because they are impressionable. They do fall under influence a lot, you know? Um, and so that's one of the things that I noticed about myself was, you know, I, I enjoy the fellowship of believers and this is going to sound weird when I'm talking about the Bible, when I'm talking about Christ, um, in the high theological sense. I, I, you know, I, I miss that when, when I, when I was at the liquor store and there wasn't anyone to talk about deep theological yeah, matters with, that. you know, and, and to be able to connect and to relate someone on that level, um, I miss that, you sure. know, um, in the sense that I, I didn't have to worry about, um, being myself, uh, I felt like I could be more of myself around unbelievers than I could believers, mm-hmm. you know, where yeah, I know what you mean, you know, and so I've tried to, when being around unbelievers, just kind of maintain that idea. Like, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to force issues. I'm not going to feel like I have to be right. Like I have to stand up and say, this is right. This is wrong. Um, in terms of like pounding my fist and vocalizing that. If somebody asks me a direct question, I have no problem answering it. I have no problem answering to my convictions. I have no problems telling people that I'm a believer, that I, I attend church. I enjoy going to church. I enjoy that fellowship. But I also have no problem telling people that I enjoy 
sitting on my back porch, smoking cigars, drinking whiskey. Um, I have no problem telling a dirty joke every once in a while. Um, <laughs> you know, like, uh, but not on this podcast. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Do that off air. No, but, but there's a level of, you know, we've gotten an idea of what a Christian should be like and what they should look like which has absolutely nothing to do with what the Bible says a Christian is. Yeah, that's true. Really, is. it's just a cultural thing, and uh, I'm happy to not be a part of that. Yeah. Um, so it is a good segue into the topic for tonight. Yeah. You want to get us started on that? Yeah, so you and I were talking, um, and we it was actually, I was kind of looking and scrolling through. This was about two weeks ago, and one of the things that um, I wanted to talk to you about, when Dave Shive was on, um, I guess this was, I think this was about two years ago when you and Dave Shive were on, and we talked about uh, raising children, mm-hmm. um, talked about, I you know, do that. you want your household to look like Mount Sinai or... Mount Calvary. And, Uh uh, you know, one of the things that got me thinking was um, raising a child in the way they should go. You know, that verse just kind of was running through my mind a lot recently. Um, And I have um, parental experience in regard to teaching. I have parental experience in regard to for the past um, four years, my wife and I have been raising a teenager. Um, I have parental experience in regard to when I was about 14. Um, my nieces and nephews came to live with our family. My father died at, wow. a, uh, when I was 14 mm. nieces and nephews came to live with us. They were very young. And so I have, I have, um, parental experience with, with helping my mother raise children um, but wanted to just kind of maybe suss out a little bit, you know, your thoughts on, um, raising children, you know, maybe some more practical things, you know, things, you know, what you should watch, what you should listen to. One of the things that kind of disturbs me a little bit is, um, I hear a lot of believers talking about, you know, talking with teenagers and being like, yeah, I can, I can kind of pinpoint where they're at based on what they're watching and what they're listening to. And I get what they're saying to a certain extent, but I also tend to cringe at things like that to a certain extent, because that's not a mark of who we are in Christ. Um, And so, you know, I wanted to get your thoughts and ideas on, you know, this idea of raising a child in the way they should go, you know, what does that look like? How do we, how do we pull, you know, that biblical mandate of raising children in the fear and admonition of the Lord and make that a practical leap for people, you know? Yes. <laughs> Big topic. Yeah. Um, let me just mention briefly, uh, Debbie and I have four sons that, she gave birth that we gave birth to. And we also have a foster son who's been in our lives for a lot of years now. And prior to that, when we lived in California, which has its own separate foster system, mm-hmm. we had three foster sons live with us, one at one time, two at another time. We also had a boy whose family cracked up. Literally, his parents were on crack. Mm. And they busted up. They lost their house. They disappeared. He came and lived with us for uh, a year. 
we had another boy named Paul who came and lived with us for a summer. He had a single mom. She was um, really struggling with life and needed some time on her own to figure out who she was, where she was going. So he came to live with us. So all that to say, <laughs> here's what that says. We spent a lot of money on groceries, brother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in, in fact, uh, when we were in Riverside, California, our boys were in swim and water polo. And they would come home so hungry. And they'd bring their friends, and they would just wipe us out, man. We, <laughs> we, we spent more on groceries every month than we did on our mortgage for years, for wow. just years, man. So, um, so we've, had, you know, we've had some time with kids. All boys, though. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything about girls, man. I, I would love to you know. What, Lord, why didn't you give me girls? I don't know. I have granddaughters and daughters-in-law now. I get to enjoy them. But right. uh, I've never raised a girl. But um, we have some experience, and you know what? When I look back over it all, there are more things I look back and say, I wouldn't do that again. Mm. If I had it to do over, I'd change that. There are more things I've learned that I think I was wrong in yeah. than, than maybe that I think I was right in. I guess in a lot of ways we were substantially right. We gave them the right stuff and all that. But um, huh, let, me, let me back up and say that phrase, train up a child in the way he should go, we all know that that comes from – uh, Proverbs 22, and uh, just a couple of technical things about it first, if I may. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. The word, the Hebrew word train, mm-hmm. train up a child, that word occurs only three other times in the Bible, in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew, the same Hebrew word. And in each of those three other times, it is translated or it refers to dedicating, like dedicating a house Mm. A man's house, or dedicating the house of God. Yeah. So once once it's used of dedicating a house, two times it's used of dedicating God's house. So the word every, everywhere else, the other three times, is translated dedicate. So what if we brought that translation back into Proverbs 22, and instead of train up, it is dedicate, which doesn't mean what we might think of today. So you have a little ceremony in front of church, which I'm fine with. We do this, but sure. And, and you know, we have a baby dedication or a children dedication. That that's all fine. I'm good with that. But it doesn't mean that. I think it means more like every day and every moment and their whole life and all the time you are dedicated to this. You are dedicating them to this. Mm. You are you are dedicating them to this way that they should go in. You're inculcating it into them. You're drilling it into them. You're teaching them. You're talking about it. You're Deuteronomy 6. When you sit in the house, when you walk by the way, when you rise up, and eventually your kid says, hey, Dad, what do the what do the statutes and the ordinance of the Lord mean? And then you tell them the story of your redemption. Um, but it, it really means more than just train up. It has more teeth than that. It's You're dedicated to this thing. You're dedicating your child to this thing. So I think that's, that's worth knowing. Yeah. Um, also, uh, the phrase, you know, in the way that he should go, wh- what does that mean? Um, other guys who study Hebrew and who are scholars tell us it might mean more like according to the dictates of his way. And so some people respond and say, ah, oh, his way, that means, you know, give him the temperament test and then raise him according to his temperament. Find out what his interests are, raise him according to his interests. Probably not at all. That phrase, way, is used a lot in the Bible. It's used a lot in Proverbs. And there's a way of righteousness and there's a way of wickedness. There's a way of blessing and there's a way of destruction. And so uh, his way is the way uh, that you want him to go in, the way of blessing, the way of peace, the way of righteousness, the way of following Christ. Um, 
So when you're raising him according to his way, it's probably not, you know, if he's artistic, let him be an artist. Yeah, do that. Sure. But that's not what this is talking about. Uh, it's according to the way in scripture that he ought to go. Mm. So uh, you're dedicating him to the way that scripture has for a kid to go. And then there's this, uh, this, well, what should I call it? Is it a promise? <laughs> uh, and, you know, and when he is old, he will not have departed from it. Um, I'm, I'm think you'll probably agree with me. That is a general principle. Yes. And not an absolute promise. Yes. Yeah. You know, God, God help the parent who has nine kids and thinks that's an absolute promise. Cause right. one of them, one of them's going to shame you, man. One of them's going to give you a hard run. Right. Uh, one of them's not gonna come to Christ. One of them's gonna, you know, end up in jail or something. Just all kinds of things can happen. Yeah. So it doesn't mean you're a total failure. It means they also have a will and they may or may not accept the way you're trading them in. They may not receive that. So, uh, there's, there's no promise that wonderful, godly, biblical Christian parenting is going to produce a product at the end of this 18-year-old conveyor belt that is a God-loving, Christ-loving, gospel-believing, Bible-believing, righteous-living Christian. Not not at all. There's lots of other things that can happen along the way. So uh, all that to say, that's kind of what we try to do to really dedicate our kids to the way that is right. But here are some of the mistakes I made. You want to hear about them a little bit? Sure. Yeah. Um, Probably single biggest mistake I made is, well, (laughs) how should I say this? I don't want to sound awful, but all right. I was a Reformed Baptist. (laughs) (laughs) There were just too many rules, man, and too many things to be uptight about, too many things to worry about. And part of it was in order to save face with your peers, in order to you know appear right as a pastor, you had to have your kids who lived this way and lived that way. Right. So I would I was just way too worried about things that if I had to do again today, like like one of our sons wanted this kind of crazy hairstyle, and I just absolutely didn't want him to have that. Mm-hmm. Today I'd say, all right, I'm going to have it too. Let's both right. do that. You know? Right, right. I'll do it with you, which would be ridiculous for a 63 year old man. But anyway, um, I was way too uptight about music. Probably because of my background, music really was a huge power for bad in my life when I was a kid. Uh, So I was afraid that that would happen to my kids. So we pretty much only listen to classical music. You can be sure they're sneaking and hearing other music (laughs) when you do that. (laughs) But I'd I'd much prefer now I would listen to all kinds of music with them, and we'd talk about it and evaluate it and enjoy it and not enjoy it and so on. So it would be a big learning, fun learning process we could all be involved in together. Um, I was just way too, way too uptight. And I was confusing, a lot of Christians do this. Uh, The Bible talks about don't be like the world. When it says that, it means don't be like the world in any way that the world is sinful. Right. It doesn't mean don't be like the world in ways that aren't really sinful things. They're just neutral things. Like the world drives cars. Well, I can't be like the world, so I can't drive a car. Right. Or the Amish people. The world wears buttons, so we can't have buttons. We'll have Velcro on our shirts. Right. Uh, the Amish women are not allowed to cut their hair. The world, they, they use this phrase, cut hair women. Oh, she's one of the, now you're going to become a cut hair woman, aren't you? <laughs> uh, 
So you know, the world cuts their hair. We don't because we're not like the world. No, 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 no. You can be like the world in all kinds of ways that aren't sinful. Yeah. I, I failed to walk that line correctly, and I insisted that my kids not be like the world in some ways that the world was actually just fine. Yeah. 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 You've seen parents like what I was, I'm sure, huh? Yeah. Well, and I think, um, you know, one of the things that, you know, um, happened with me early on is um, that same kind of idea and concept. You know, things are uh, a little different having um, E in the house, um, you know, because he does have another set of parents. So he has a set of parents Mm -hmm. in China who, you know, dictate what he can and cannot watch, what he can and cannot listen to. And so, Mm. you know, there are things that Joy and I would be like, well, yeah, I mean, if Uh if you were my son, I probably wouldn't let you do that um, just, you know, for for a variety of reasons, but you're not my son. Um, And so, you know, that's not something that I'm going to, I'm going to hold, you know, I'm going to hold you to, Um, you know, and I think things like, I think there is a line that we look at and we say, you know, yeah, that there's nothing necessarily wrong with that, but we're just not going to do that in this house. Um, you know, and so if, you know, once you, you know, once you're an adult, once you're out of the house, once you are making your own decisions and financially responsible for your family and you know what you're doing and then, then that's, that's fine. You know, what you're going to do is, is fine, but you know, we're, we're not going to do that here. Um, you know, um, and, and I, I talk to my students a lot about that too. You know, there are a lot of things that my students will tell me that they're watching and listening to. And I know full well that their parents are not involved having those discussions. Mm -hmm. And I, Mm -hmm. I cringe first of all, at some of the things that they are watching and listening to. And second, cringe at the things that they are, uh, the, the fact that they're not really engaging in their parents with dialogue like this. Um, not learning to discern about it. Yeah, exactly. You know, and so I have students who come in and talk about watching Game of Thrones. And, um, wow. you know, how I mean, old are they? This is middle school. This is, you know, eighth grade. Um, oh, man. Yeah, you know, and, and to me, um, it's, it's one of those things where I tell my students very simply, look, I'm, I'm not your parent. I am not and will not tell you what you can and can't watch. That's not my role. That's not my position. I will tell you if you were my child, you would not be watching that. Um, you know, and so I approach a lot of things like that. You know, I, they'll come in singing some of the most, you know, sexually charged lyrics from songs, you know, from Beyonce or something like that. And it's like, it's the same thing. It's like, guys, you know what? At the end of the day, I can't tell you what you can and can't listen to. That's not my role. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that you listening to or not listening to those things, you watching or not watching those things is any kind of meter of, you know, your salvation in Jesus Christ. Um, Mm -hmm. But I will tell you that I think those things have an impact and effect on you. Um, and that you're going to have a harder time trying to connect with God, trying to connect with Jesus, um, and putting a lot of that garbage in your head that, that, that is going to alter and warp your perception of what the Bible says, how we are to treat women how we are to look at women, you know? And so I, I take a lot of things from that mindset and that approach when dealing with my students. Yeah. So 
I'd, I'd want to listen to the Beyonce song with my kids. Yeah. And then we'd talk about, look at how, look what this does to women. Look yeah. at what it's saying about sex. Look at what it, you know, so that we could talk about that. Right. Uh, and rather than saying, oh my goodness, you listen to what? You know, you're grounded for six weeks. Right. But rather, oh, bring it here. Let's listen to it. And then we can really talk about it. Yes. By the way, uh, I wonder what you think of this, Nathan. I wonder what hearers will think of this. Sure. We'll never know, will we? Um, I have this theory that there's there's music I can listen to, but that single people shouldn't. Mm. Uh, I can listen to it, and it's talking about very sexually charged things. And all that means to me is, yeah, Debbie, my wife. Mm-hmm. And it just turns my thoughts to her, turns my desires to her. Yeah. I imagine her in the thing. It's a song about her. And we're married, so it's perfectly fine. It's absolutely legit. I can think about her in those ways. I can enjoy her in those ways. But if you're single... Mm. it's it's all out man it's all out of place yeah so what do you think there's music single people can't listen to and married people can yeah i i do i think i think that is very much um the case i think i think also you know there are you know in talking about raising children you know i think there are things that as as an adult as a discerning adult there are things that i can watch that Children shouldn't and can't. Yeah, because you're not impressionable. You're not going to go out and do something. Yeah, right. There, you know, there's there are movies, you know, that um, you know contain lots of language that I can watch and beyond. You know, that movie, I will, I have the self control and discipline to not let that language leave my mouth um, uncontrolled. Yes, that you know when I when I choose to use. you know, when I choose to use words that are not quote unquote publicly appropriate, I'm making that decision and I can control myself. Children, even teenagers do not have that self-control. They do not yeah. have that discipline to do those things. Yeah. And so the more they are around them, you know, the more those things are in their mind and they allow them to slip out more frequently, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, I think you're right. I think, you know, Many times with situations like that, you know, parents will hear, you know, language coming out of their children's mouths and they'll react to it instead of just sitting down and saying, you know what, let's, let's have a conversation about the importance of words. You know, mm. why, why don't we use words like that publicly? You know, why, why don't we let those things come out of our mouth? And, and you know, you know, everybody knows now that the male brain doesn't even fully develop until about 25 till you're about yeah. 25 and and then emotionally and socially you don't even know until you're in your early 30s as a male this is why so many women marry guys and then realize i'm married to a boy right. he really is a boy right <laughs> his brain is not developed yet and he's not even going to be socially developed until he's in his 30s but anyway um so you're talking about middle school kids how much more are their brains not developed and they're unable unequipped unprepared to discern to handle to figure out all right, that's a word I don't want to use. It would only be used in this context, if ever, and so on and so forth. Right. But you're a big guy. You can figure that stuff out. So, yeah, there's a definite difference between what you might listen to and what one of your students should listen to or watch. Right. And I think that goes back to, you know, the freedoms that we have in Christ, you know, the the ability to discern things. You know, you were talking about, you know, being able to listen to a song and the only thing that's coming to your mind is your wife, you know? Um, And I think that is, you know, that's the freedom that you have to be able to discern that and to know that, you know what, this isn't causing me to sin. This is actually causing me to draw closer to my wife. Yeah, to love my girl. Right. 
you know, and yeah. so, yeah. Speaking of, speaking of brains developing, let me yeah. tell you just a funny quick story. Yeah. So there's, I, there's so many guys in my gym, and there's so many interesting stories. So one of them is this young guy. I won't tell you his name just in case he ever listens to this or something, but I, I like him a lot. We, we, we'll hang out sometimes and lift together. And he was telling me, he's like 20, I don't know, maybe he's 20. And I, you know, I was, I was asking him, so what, you know, what's your career aspirations? What are you working on? What are you going to school for? And at some point, I forget why it came up, but he said, and I'm not even trying to find a wife yet because I know my brain is not very developed yet. (laughs) 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 I got a kick out of that. That's funny. (laughs) That's the only time I've ever heard a guy say, that's why he's not looking for a wife yet. Yeah. Yeah, maybe not a bad reason, huh? Let's wait till you're developed. Sure, figure out then figure out the woman part of the equation. <laughs> oh, that's hysterical! Oh my word! But all right, so if I could raise my kids again, yeah, I'd, I'd be less squeamish and less worried about what are other people going to think. That was a snare mm-hmm. into which I fell. What will people think if you know what? Fie on that. Who cares about that? Um, these are my kids and, and I'm the one responsible for them. Yeah. I would be a lot less uptight, and a lot less worried. We'd probably have a lot more fun. We'd probably enjoy pop culture a lot more together, but in all of it, we'd be having discussions, 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 yeah. dis- discerning, evaluating so that I think they'd get quite an education out of that. Yeah. And I, and to me, that's important because at some point your children are not going to be under your authority and they are going to, you know, they are going to just kind of run out there and, you know, expose themselves to a lot of things. You know, I mean, I, I remember very distinctly, um, you know, my mother had a fairly tight rein on me watching R rated movies when I was in high school. Um, and, uh, you know, it was, it was a little frustrating at times because if anybody <laughs> wanted to see an art, you know, if my friends were like, Hey, we're going to go see an R-rated movie and their parents didn't care. I was like, hang on guys. I got to call my mom and see if this is okay. Um, and, and I would, I would, I would call my mom and I would find out, Hey, we're going to see this R-rated movie. Is it all right if I go and see it? And I would have to get a yes or no approval. And, um, but when I got to college, it was like, well, um, Mom isn't, yeah, mom isn't here telling, you know, like I'm kind of out on my own. I'm, you know, really when I got to college, I started paying my own bills and, you know, she wasn't paying for my college and, you know, she wasn't paying for my college. I was paying my own bills. I was paying my college. I was doing my thing. And I mean, I overexposed myself to a lot of things um, that I wish I hadn't uh, because Mm. I didn't have the discernment. (laughs) Um, in order to, you know, just like leave things. And, and a lot of that I think was my mother was, um, very much afraid of the things that I was watching, you know, with my, when my father was alive, I can remember watching all sorts of things when I was younger with him. Um, you know, oh yeah. I mean, you know, but I also remember that we would talk about those things. And so my mother had Uh, no interest. And so it was just for her, Uh, it was just safer to say no, no than it no. was to, you know, hey, let's watch this and we'll talk about it together. Yeah. Um, so you didn't get to learn how to evaluate stuff. Yeah. A lot of that a lot of that came much later when, you know, I as my walk with Christ got closer, it was, you know what, I like this for these reasons. I don't like it for these reasons. I like this in light of 
the gospel. I don't like this in light of what they're doing or saying about the gospel, you know, um, or, Hey, this is just a fun movie and it has absolutely nothing to do with, um, anything, you know, it's just, it's, you know, and so that discernment came, um, at a later period. Um, but yeah, I mean, my freshman year of college, you know, anytime somebody had a movie, it was like, Hey, I'll watch that. I'll watch that. You know? And so, um, (laughs) you know, I wasted a lot of time and, and, and that's really what I consider it. I don't think it was as, you know, I don't think it was dangerous, but it was a waste of time in some cases. Hmm. Um, well, that's another thing to train up a child in or to dedicate a child to is how do we use our time? Yes. Yeah. Do you want to, you know, do you want to? Some recreation is legitimate for everybody. We all need some. Yes. So some gaming time, legit. Some TV time, legit. I have no problem with that. Some, you know, whatever your recreation time is, legit. But uh, how much time do you want to spend in that versus how much time do you want to be productive in something that's useful? Yes. Um, I think a lot of young men these days have that equation very skewed. Yes. Yeah. And I think part of that skewing is not being taught, not Absolutely. being shown how to do those things. Yeah. Nobody's been working with them on it. Where's dad? Yeah. Dad yeah. hasn't been in the picture. Mom hasn't been in the picture. They're left to do their own. They have their own TV. They have their own cell phone. They yes. have their own internet. They can do whatever they want. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. No really... wonder we're, we're doing what Frankie Schaefer, Francis Schaefer's yeah. son, Frankie Schaefer said, we're turning out generation after generation of baffled, rootless, religiously neutered neo-barbarians. Yep. <laughs> That's a great line. That is a great phrase, line. But we're, we're doing a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the things that um, we just had a time last Thursday with uh, the male students in my school, the female students went on a field trip. It was a special science field trip that they went on. And so as teachers and male teachers, we were like, this is a perfect opportunity to talk with these guys and just have a day where we are working with them and hopefully, you know, being able to train them in some of these things. How'd that go? It was, it was absolutely fantastic. We did, um, three different sessions with them. Um, one of them was a session that we did on learning, um, your spiritual gifts. Um, and as an adult, I kind of cringe at those tests, but I think for a, a younger child, um, who is kind of a little aimless, I think it could be a good, you know, I think it's a good tool to kind of focus and say, yeah, these are some of the things that I'm interested in. And this, this is a direction that I would like to go. And, um, you know, so, and then we did a session on forgiveness and forgiving because a lot of the things that I hear from students, um, are, you know, well, they did this to me and so I'm going to do this or, you know, wow. Um, so, you know, talking about forgiveness and ultimately we're able to forgive because of Christ forgiving us, you know, so, um, and then the third, yeah, it was, it was great. The third session we did was, um, on salvation, um, and just knowing that, you know, that you're saved, you know, this is what salvation is just clearly, plainly laying the gospel out. Um, you know, this is what salvation is. And then at the end of the day, we brought them together. These were individual class sessions we had where they rotated through. And at the end of the day, we brought them together and we said, we talked to them about being uh, a gentleman, you know, loving your mother and loving others. 
Um, Sweet. You know, and so what does it mean to Man. be a gentleman bringing up, you know, rules of chivalry? And, you know, we, we said, look, yeah. at one point, this stuff was taught in schools. Isn't that um, amazing? What, <laughs> that was on another planet, right? Yeah, yeah, I know. Wow. I love your topics, man. I, I can so easily imagine that in some uptight Christian school, XYZ Christian school, uh, when they have an opportunity like that, the topics are going to be, number one, we don't smoke. Number two, we don't chew. Yeah. Number three, we don't date the girls who do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> y- you guys didn't do any of that kind of stuff. You didn't even have like this major thing on sexual purity, which would have been fine. But uh, you covered awesome topics there. Who thought those up? Was that you mainly? It was, yeah. <laughs> ah, see, I can tell. That's you, man. Wow, but they yeah. went along with you on that. Yeah, yeah, they did. Um, the the other uh, the other three male or the other two male teachers that are at the school um, were very excited uh, for the topics, and um, you know, it was just it was a really great opportunity to just have them there and talk to them about these things and let them ask questions and you know moments to be real with them and be like. You know, like I shared stories about, you know, when I had problems with forgiveness and, you know, the time that it basically took me four years to forgive someone truly, Mm. you know, dealing and wrestling with that, Um, you know, and so, um, you know, one of the other teachers, you know, talked about um, uh, Martin Luther King and, um, you know, talked about, you know, uh, he had a sermon he did on serving and service. And so he used that one when he talked about the gifts and, you know, just, yeah, being able to sit there and be real with the students and be like, guys, you know, you have an opportunity to step up and, you know, show yourselves and, and do something different with yourselves than what everyone else in your generation is doing right now. Man, Nathan, Um, where, where else are middle school guys getting a day in school like that. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, So uh, among your guy students. Yeah. So that's probably what, uh, 10 or 12 guys? Uh, No, this was actually, this was in total. This was, um, this was 25, I think. Wow, man. So among them, I, I would imagine there were some who had soft hearts and just opened up and received this and loved it and yeah. but were there were there others who stonewalled you um you know what's interesting is that um the session that i did um in the session that they had on salvation there really wasn't um the one that they did on service um <laughs> kind of got a little uh pushback uh, yeah but um the one the one on the forgiveness and the one on um salvation they really seem to to listen to and you know one of the students was you know just very honest and 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 you know we were talking about forgiveness and he was like yeah but that's a hard thing to do you know and i was like yeah you're right uh-huh. it is is it's one of the hardest things that you have to set yourself to do because in some cases you know, it, it's something that you have to purpose and set yourself to do on a daily basis. Um, you know, and, and I did, you know, I told him, um, about a story that, you know, a close friend of mine just really hurt and wounded me. And it was basically, it was like a month of me praying to God to forgive this person before I could even see them. Because every time I would be in the same room with them, I would just get so mad and so angry. And it's, and the thing is, it's not like this person didn't come to me and ask me for forgiveness. Like they, the person acknowledged that what they did was wrong and came to me, but it was just, 
the hurt was just so deep that I was having trouble letting go. And, you know, so finally after like a month, I could at least be in the same room with the person and have a conversation with them. But really it was like four years before it was just like, I, I'm, I'm over this. Like this isn't, I'm no longer holding on to this. Yeah. That's understandable. I'm sure we all, that will resonate with yours. You know, I'm sure you'll, you, I think you'll agree with this. The thing that helps me most to be able to forgive people Mm -hmm. is an ever increasing awareness of my own fallenness. Yes. My own failure to treat other people like I ought to, my own failure to understand somebody, my own failure to, uh, serve somebody like I should have my own failure, 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 sin, sin, sin. Yes. And so when somebody else treats me poorly, well, what do I expect, man? Right. Right. We're all, we're all twisted, messed up humans. So it, it's, which really it's the gospel. Yes. Right? Cause part of the gospel is I'm a needy sinner. I'm fallen. I'm twisted. Yes. Uh, so I need Christ. And if I really get that, and if I get that pretty deeply, that I won't be so dismayed at other people, you think? Oh yeah, absolutely. And that that is definitely one of the things that we talked about. You know, I did a little thing with them where I put I, I kind of drew this little um, you know, crossbar with these, you know, God on one side and others on the other. And we started off by looking at our offenses toward God, you know, and it's like, you know, the just just think about, you know, all the impure thoughts, you know, and as guys, all the impure thoughts that you've had, you know, in middle school guys, you know, you put like 50 check marks up there in an hour, you know, think about, you know, talking back to your parents, you know, think about the times you talk back to your teacher, think about the times you don't perfectly love your parents or love your teachers or respect, you know, and so you fill up this side with check marks. And I said, now let's kind of look at the other side, you know, this person, you know, let's say that this person has called you a name, Maybe they've taken it a step further and they've hit you and then they walked away without apologizing. Mm. One person right there has offended you three times. Mm. How many offenses do we have toward God? And Mm. yet look at the cross and that's why we are able to forgive others because when we look at the cross in light of our offenses toward a holy and righteous God, we see this person who's treating – who is a sinner treating another sinner – basically the way they deserve and we can't help but look at it and say, you know what? Yeah, I, I, I can forgive you of that. I can forgive you of that. You, you know, know, scripture, scripture says, uh, to whom much is given the same, the same loves much. Yes. You love you. God forgave you a lot. You love him, but I'm going to do a twist on that. And this is also true. I'm sure, uh, to whom much is forgiven. That person also forgives. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. I need to know how much I'm forgiven, 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 forgiven. Yeah. And then I'll be able to dole out some forgiveness for the people around me. Yeah. And that like, helps me, man. So I don't get, you know, twisted and angry and yeah. jealous and mean and stuff. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay. That's all right. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You know, and that, and again, that goes all back to the crosses. Uh, you know, once you understand how how much grace has been given to you and how really it's how free you are. And that's one of the other things that, you know, we talked about was, you know, guys, we have the freedom to not be held captive by Uh, our anger. We have the freedom to let it go in Christ, to not look at that person and hold on to that grudge, because I guarantee you they're not holding on to it. You know, they've forgotten that. Yeah, exactly. 
You know, and so we now through Christ, we have the freedom to be able to say, you know what? It's no big deal. I'm going to forget too. Yeah. I'm just, I'm amazed with your topics. I'm in love with your topics. It is so cool that 20 some middle school guys got to spend a day in this stuff. Wow. Yeah. Can you imagine if that was happening in all schools everywhere regularly? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Ooh. You know, I mean, my, my hope is that this will become like a, monthly thing where we'll be able to sit down and just meet with them on a monthly basis and that'd be you know, awesome be able to, you guys should do that yeah yeah so really you'll be helping parents train up a child in the way they should go yeah <laughs> yep absolutely yeah well steve this has been fantastic we are um just crossing over this hour mark but I want to You're give you a tell few me minutes. We're coming to the close of my last one, are you? Well, that's I want to give you some time here no, to, don't do it. to talk a little bit more. Um, you know, uh some thoughts and ideas um, you know, that you want to leave our uh listeners with. Um so you know, this is your time to run that another hour. Um, <laughs> so so I absolutely believe that the best days of these go to 11 are just about to begin. I think mm-hmm. you and is it Nathan Bartles? Zach. No, what's his first name? Zach. That's it. Zach, Zach Bartles. Bartles. Yep. See, I don't know him, you know, but I've checked him out some. I think you and he will be such a good and interesting team, such a good fit that I, I honestly think you guys are going to do better than it's ever been. Like with Greg and you and Greg and you and me and you and me. I think the best is just about to start. I really do. So. I'm not just saying that like to pump up hearers old that they'll stay with it and all that. But um, I think you guys are going to have a great, great time doing what, what, what you're going to do. Uh, I totally appreciate that. That is very kind of you to say. And, you know, again, um, you know, and I've been saying this all along, you know, very, very sad at, you know, those who have come through Greg, you, um, you know, loved, loved, loved having both of you as, um, hosts slash co-hosts, um, on the show. And, um, but I, I am excited. I'm looking forward to working with Zach as well. And, um, very excited for what the future holds. And, and again, very excited at the fact that you are a phone call away. Um, so being able to call <laughs> you up and just say, uh, Hey Steve, you want to jump in on this one? Yeah, so. Please do, man. Please do. Absolutely. And you, you can probably be able to pick easily. You know me. You can pick the ones that you know I would really light up to. So yes. uh, I look forward to hearing – well, you, we don't call. I'll look forward to your text. There you go. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> we, yes. We, don't, we don't do that calling stuff anymore. <laughs> no, nah, man. That's old school. <laughs> Takes too much time. That's right. That's right. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Steve, uh, we're going to go ahead and sign off. We just rocked the Casbah. These go to 11.